Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the Awakening Empty Nester podcast. We are so pleased you can join us in today's show. I am Michelle. And I am Mark, your host of this podcast, a show that was designed for you, the Awakening Empty Nester. In this series, we will be bringing you a whole range of inspiring insights, heart-filled stories and conversations with truly amazing people. People just like you. People who have navigated through their own challenges, lessons and opportunities. People who have transitioned to living a life of deeper experience, heart-filled contribution and consistent awakening and growth. Find out how they are all living with what we call a strong ECG life pulse. Let's discover more as we dive into this episode. Whether you're an empty nester or not, we trust you will enjoy today's show. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back to the Awakening Empty Nester podcast. We're so grateful for your time today and we're really looking forward to this conversation. As we record this session, it's Wednesday the 16th of April and we're experiencing some really interesting times at the moment, aren't we? It's a great opportunity though to be reconnecting and having some real conversations. Yes, we are very excited to have a conversation with Miss Billy Lu Fung, who is currently living in Brighton in England. Billy was and she continues to be through our continued learnings and meditations, our divine mind intelligence coach. Through her divine mind <laughs> intelligence framework, she guided us to a much greater awareness of how to truly feel and how to make choices based on a synchronized heart and mind. Her insight and wisdom have helped us to see ourselves in a different light and her infectious laugh and abundant joy rubs off on us like butter melting onto a warm toasty crumpet. We are certain you too will be smiling as you listen to Billy talk. Welcome Billy. Hello Michelle, I love that introduction. Thank you very much. It's really an honour to be here and thank you for asking me to be part of this podcast. It's absolutely our pleasure. So just a little bit of background for our guests. How we met Billy was back in September of 2018. We were at a, a Mind Valley event in LA, and she's pretty darn special, I must say. Um, have you, has this ever happened to you guys? You know, where you you meet somebody, a complete stranger, and then for for whatever reason, you know, at the depths of your soul, you just know straight away that that you really want to know more. And and we've done that, and we we've stayed connected as well. And that's how we really felt, and we embarked on a journey with with Billy, and 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 that has for us transformed us on our way, on being, actually being, not doing, um, to higher levels of love and joy and enthusiasm for life. Absolutely. So, Billy, our listeners are predominantly empty nesters and empty nesters to be. And they're in a wonderful time of transition in their lives where they have the opportunity to redefine, reset their internal GPS and reignite those dreams that they've had. And we know that you too have had many interesting and colourful transitions in your short life. So I'm sure our listeners would love hearing about them. But first of all, how are things in Brighton right now? In Brighton, for me in my life, everything is per normal. 
I co-create online from home. I take a beach walk usually once a day. I should make it twice. <laughs> and life is pretty just lovely and quiet at the moment. There is a great sensation for me externally that people people are more in their hearts. People are quieter. People. You must remember, I have not listened to mass media for 18 years. Mm-hmm. So even though when I go onto Facebook or open my uh, a web page, there is this COVID, COVID, COVID everywhere. I, I don't read it. I don't go into it. I don't look at it. So I understand how energy works too well. So I would mm. never use my energy and contribute to any mass hysteria, worry or fear because that's how we got here in the first place. So it's all, I mean, for me, I've been waiting 10 years for this moment where human beings on a global level realize that change has to happen internally before it can happen externally. So I'm in bliss, absolute bliss. Yes. And when you when you feel truth in your own heart, mm-hmm. this is a great time to be very excited. And I would say if you're not excited and you are in fear in any way, then it's a great opportunity to look at why and what you've created in your life. Very true, very true. Thank you for that wisdom, Billy. And over here too, it's pretty peaceful and um, we are seeing the contrast of people in fear, but we're also seeing the other side where there are a lot of people awakening to the truth, as you said. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's a very, very interesting time. And I'm personally, I'm very excited. And I think Mark is as well. So, Billy, um, were you born in the UK? Yes, born in London in front of Big Ben, only because there's a hospital right in front of oh, there. Right. Okay. <laughs> born in London uh-huh. to an Irish mother and a Jamaican Chinese father. Okay. Uh, born five decades ago, yeah, 1969. So I'm a real Londoner, a true Londoner in every sense of the word. Right. Okay. Well, that's where I was born too. And we, we share a little bit of a similar heritage. Uh, my mum is half Chinese, half Trinidad, Tobago, and my dad is Chinese. And it's been very, very special to connect with you. So you have shared with us a few of your stories, and I know there's probably many more, but would you like to share with us something special maybe that you know will help our audience to transition more easily with more flow through the times when you know some empty nesters flow through very easily others they they get lonely they become confused and some may even because they've left that role of being a full nester with their children and they go into that empty period like we are right now in this period where there's there's a lot of um people alone in their homes um people can start to feel like they no longer matter and we would like to share with them tools and resources that they can use during that transition so that they can move through it with more ease and grace. So I'm sure you've got lots of stories to tell. So over to you. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Well, well, first of all, I want the listeners to know that the person I am today, I most definitely was not two decades ago or yesterday or, well, before. I too, I lived in I'm not saying that all the listeners are in fear because I'm sure if they're co-creating with you guys, you know, they're, they're learning incredible things. However, as a human being, we are going to experience fear, loneliness, isolation, self-hatred, every kind of lower vibrational energy that's possible. Mm -hmm. For me, this is part of the growth. Mm -hmm. 
without these experiences, we don't know the other side. We don't know what we're moving towards. Mm. So, you know, if we, when we understand that every single thought is triggering a feeling, is then triggering a reaction or action, then we are constantly creating the experience that we are having now, as well as creating our future destiny. Mm. Now, in the mind, the basic mind from which we have been taught from a very young age in the Western world, how to use, we're taught to use intellect, reasoning, thinking, you know, you cannot know through a basic mind. However, this mind is in constant operation, it has an identification, you know, I'm Billy Lu Fang, I do this, I do that, da, da, da. It's very caught up in the physical world and the physical body. So when people have created a story, there's very, very rarely until they meet a crisis, do they have the experience of looking at the story they've created. Most people go to a psychotherapist, a psychologist, a self-help group, and on it goes because you're actually using the mind and reasoning to try and fix what created in the, the problem in the first place. Mm. So... Actually, when you understand the root, which is what divine mind intelligence is about, it's about activating your nature as a quantum creator. When you understand that you are the one creating everything, your life is not based on a set of circumstances, as I used to think mine was. It's actually based on your own creation. We have something called free will. Now, people could argue, oh, no, but this and this and this. I've heard every story over the last uh, decade. Don't worry about it. As, as from the basic mind trying struggling with this concept no that's not the way that's not how it goes it was because of him and her and my childhood mm. well I'll tell you bits of my childhood in a minute so you can understand that um, it's a story mm -hmm. and we are much bigger than the story but we have to learn to evolve it internally now if you know that you are creating from your mind then the only way out is literally to go in and that does not mean you have to go to the Himalayas and sit and meditate for five or 10 years or get on a yoga mat or have green juice. They're all nice. <laughs> but you certainly, you know, that's become the sort of psycho, the, the cool psychotherapy of the Western world these days. And yet nobody's really looking in the mirror. When you understand that you have created everything you have in this moment, then you can understand that you have the power to uncreate it and create, recreate that which you so much desire and most definitely deserve. But there's a small little but here. <laughs> Your basic mind, the brain, it's, it's like a bodyguard and nobody is coming in without their ID, so to speak. Now, if your brain has been trained to immediately question, be cynical, be doubtful, be fearful, then it's very difficult for anything to come in. Mm. We don't allow ourselves the experience because we have to go through a sense of pain and fear. And what does every human do? What is the entire Western world set up to do? It's to distract you from yourself. It's to distract you from asking the bigger questions. Mm -hmm. Who am I? What is love? How do I feel about that? Do I believe that? Who told me that? What is my experience? Now, if our bodies, as mine was, my, my emotional body was shut off from me. I shut my body off for years. So I became an intellect. Mm -hmm. And had you told me I'd become this person, if you told me 18 years ago I'd be this person now, I literally would have thought you were insane. Now, even though inside of me there was a little knowing, mm, 
something's going on here. I refused from my powerful ego and fear to believe anything but that which existed uh, in a material world. So that's the first, that's a bit of a long-winded one. But the starter is, you know, you are creating every second, every moment you are creating. And you are either creating a future that you're you're not going to be you're not going to like arriving to, or you are recreating a future from a very different place inside of you mm-hmm. that you really want to experience. Very powerful wisdom there. And a lot of it comes from your own experience. Like you said, you were going to tell us about your story as a as a young Billy. Okay, yeah. So the there's a lot to there's a lot to our stories. Mm-hmm. I was prior to this podcast, I was telling Michelle Mark that I was trying to sort of synthesize points because I can be a bit waffly. <laughs> I can talk for hours. That's that's <laughs> predominantly my job actually, to talk and explain and to explain and to read through and to and to assist through words. Uh-huh, but yeah. I couldn't synthesize anything. Uh-huh. But one thing that it felt good, it was to say if I was to die today mm-hmm. at any point after this podcast or whenever if I was to look at the experience of what I've been through what I've contributed and how I've grown the feeling was I would be looking back I, I work with imagery I don't work with it I see imagery so I see things all the time so I don't have the voices in the mind anymore you know the whispers I have a few but I mostly see things so I would be looking back and I would look back at a person who had many, many faces, many, many different bodies, many different realities. In my five decades on the planet, it's like I've gone through many lives. Mm -hmm. And I would see smiles, tragedies, tears, happiness, joy, fun, misery, isolation, loneliness. I'd be watching this person and I'd be watching these experiences as if they were pictures. That would be my experience. And if I would look to look today, and this would be my last day on earth, my contribution, mm-hmm. it would be that every human being I came into contact with along the way, I caused some kind of effect, be that high vibrational or a low vibrational. And along that journey, I grew mm-hmm. through those effects. Mm. The, what the final growth is, is I'm free. I'm free enough to tell you I'm okay to leave this bodysuit today with a big, huge smile. I'm sure there'll be a little bit of nervousness in the body as it leaves, but I'm absolutely free. I'm free. I do not have a mind talking all day and instructing me what to do. I wake up smiling. I'm, I feel joy all the time and peace, and that's where I've arrived to. There's still a lot of growth. If I'm permitted to stay in this bodysuit, for how many Whatever time, there's still a lot of growth. There's still a lot of things to do, but I'm I'm okay to go today. And I believe when we're okay to leave, we've lived an amazing life. Beautiful. But when we are, yeah, when we're frightened to leave, you know, you've got to ask, okay, what is, how am I living? Don't worry about how we're going to die. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, that was just would be the beginning of the story. Uh, I'll let I'll let Michelle say something before I go on again into the rest of the story. <laughs> we'll get to the uh, story, that's, listeners. That's beautiful. Thank you, Billy. It's 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 one of those things that we found and we were attracted to you about is you're such a 
a ball of love and laughter and uh, you've got such an affectionate, infectious, sorry, an infectious laugh and uh, that's certainly one of the, the things that I love about you, Billy. You said that you were a different person now than you were decades ago. So did this, were you always like this? Were you always able to see and feel um, what's going on with other people? Has that been your life experience? Or was there a particular moment that you awoken to that truth, to that that experience and depth that you have? Hmm. Okay, thank you. Good question. Um, I would say that from a very... I was always a sensitive kid, always a bit strange, never really fitted in, would always stand outside of a group and be bullied as opposed to be part of a group. And I felt as a young kid, I didn't want to be part of the group. Anyway, I didn't like the group. I didn't like what they were about. And nobody felt like they were being honest. I was raised by a blind woman in England. She was not my legal, um, she was not my biological grandmother, but I called her Nan. We call them Nan here. (laughs) Maybe in Australia you do as well. Do you say Nan? Yes, both. We have grandmothers say, and nans. Ah, yes. Nans, yeah. We have nans. I think now they've changed it to grandmother. But I had this nan, and she was legally blind. She had a 10% vision, but it was mostly shadows that she could see. So at six weeks old, I was given to her. I was taking care. She took care of me from the age of six weeks old until I was eight. Now, the wonderful thing about nan was I kind of was free to be me. I was free to feel. Now, what does that mean? I remember from the age of one being able to sense and experience human beings um, over and above what I could see. I could feel their bodies. I could see their thoughts. I could feel their thoughts, actually, I would say. Mm -hmm. I would say feel their thoughts as as opposed to see them. And me and my nan had this little life. We had the guide dog, Honey, her name was. We had a cat and birds. And we lived in... We, we lived in, I would say now, abject poverty. I didn't realize it then because I sort of seemed to have a meal on the table and sweets and when I wanted them. It seemed quite lush, but actually it was abject poverty. Mm-hmm. It was in a council plate of a flat in London. And like I said, I was free to be me. Now, this meant I could tell my nan, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. Oh, the lady up the road is going to pass. And she would just, uh-huh, you know, she would just, okay. Sometimes she would kind of ignore me, but I felt that, you know, she she allowed me just to be. She was an older lady, so she had a lot of patience. And this went on. And then one day she said to me, just one day, I was about six, a few things had occurred. And she said, never tell anyone what you can do or what you can see. They won't understand you and you will scare them. So for a child, everything is perfect remember these are no I'm not a victim of a single experience of my life because I have co-created it in order to grow so at this moment though for a kid I heard don't speak mostly don't tell anyone who you are and then become someone else or behave it was more like I need to behave like everybody else and from my perspective as a child who could see through things very very clearly I felt the whole world was lying And I remember even my nan took me to Sunday school and I had to go and sing the hymns and and it didn't resonate with my body. It felt kind of weird. And you remember when you were a kid, all your listeners will understand this. When we were kids, we could feel things. So when we asked our mum or dad or guardian or teacher or policeman a question, you could kind of sense whether they were about to lie to you. (laughs) 
mm-hmm. exaggerate a story or think you were just some stupid little kid who didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. But what you did resonate and feel, remember when anyone came in the room and they felt something felt off. Animals feel this all the time, don't they? They leave the room yes. or they move back. They are just simply resonating the frequency of the energy that they're experiencing. And I was like that. I felt that all the time. So I felt like the world was lying and I wanted to know the truth. That would have been a a very interesting experience to have to hide that truth though. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been very, very difficult when you had, you're so in tuned with what was going on around you and within you. Yes. Yes, and I think what I remember I used to, because I was like an only child with my nan for eight years, and I remember I had these dolls. I mean, even my, the life was kind of weird. My dolls were mannequins. They were, we didn't have any money. So somebody, a friend of a friend would bring around these giant mannequin dolls. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember one of them, she she had half her hair ripped out because I used to sew in real hair then. Just think of a 1970s mannequin in a shop window, child size. (laughs) They, They were my dolls. And one of her eyes was wonky. And the other one was missing, very interesting, being raised by a blind woman and having this doll. And I remember when I got angry, I, I can remember feeling very angry and frustrated because I felt, I felt suppressed in many ways around when I shut down that talking, I was experiencing a lot of anger. And I would go and beat these dolls up. And I can remember to this day, I don't know what had happened, but I remember throwing this doll around the room I must have been about uh, seven, really smashing her, you know, hitting her. And I remember actually when I was hitting her, though, mm. I had this sense of sadness because mm. I knew my nan had raised me pretty well. You know, I'd done the Sunday school. I did my homework. I was very, very advanced in in my vocabulary. I, I was like a mini adult. She taught me well not to be unkind and not to do those things. But I remember that rage. Mm. That was probably the first time I experienced my own rage and I never forget the image and this doll was I mean she already looked a wreck and I was running <laughs> around the room. <laughs> she had no head by the sounds she, of it yeah. after that. Yeah, she she did, but all the arms were bent backwards and the legs and, and I think I must have just cried. So that was the the, the, the first sort of shutdown emotionally. From there I went to live with a mother. Uh, my mother took me back. I had a car accident, went to live with mother. And that was a whole new life. I had a sister and mother presented to me who I didn't really know. And that was a different experience. It was karmic in a way because there I got really bullied and beaten and and, and all the, you know, I was a really spoilt child with my nan. She, I could scream and I'd get my way. So thank goodness, you know, I got to see another side of life where life wasn't going to put up with that. <laughs> Uh, you know, that wasn't going to happen. So I, I moved to my mother's house at eight. It was a whole new experience. Again, I had this super awareness. I knew that when my mother said something, it wasn't true. But I didn't dare question anybody by that point. That was the problem. I wasn't questioning anyone. Right. So internally, you begin. your listeners may feel resonate with this. Internally, you as a child, you begin to feel that there's something wrong with you because and then you start to doubt, are you experiencing this? Or, you know, you, there, you, there's all these doubts going on. But something in me was pretty powerful. I think by eight, I was, I, I, did, I did have this sense 
I am in truth. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I got to experience a world where I then became the biggest liar. Because I feel when you're on a journey of truth, which I believe now mine was and still is, you have to become the opposite of that truth. You become the liar. When you're in search of love, you become a hater. You must experience all these things internally. So for your, for your listeners, just a point there, you know, if, you, if your listeners look back at that time when they just had this knowing as a child and then they were made to doubt it. Oh, don't think like that. Don't say that. I used to actually say to people, why are you lying? Now that doesn't go down well. (laughs) (laughs) That that won't make you a lot of friends. But I was just asking a simple question. Mm -hmm. I've asked you a question. You've told me an answer. And I'm asking you, why are you lying? Mm -hmm. So you, you you were attempting to tell your truth by asking them. I was attempting for them to reveal their truth mm-hmm. yeah. also. Yeah. And that's, that's it, isn't it? We all, particularly in that age, we, as we grow up, we are encouraged, forced, um, whatever the, the, the word might be, description might be, to mm-hmm. conform to society and the norm. And, and for a lot of people, that is quite confronting. Yet if you don't fit in, then... That equals pain. So you, you were just starting to share, mm. Billy, that you started to then live a lie for a while. What what was going on there? You, you conformed, obviously. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I was always a rebel inside. But just to, <laughs> just to lead on from what you just said, if, it's interesting what you just said, isn't it? Because if you look at the world at the moment and you look, we're having a pandemic of mass media fear. That's the biggest virus at the moment, isn't mm-hmm. it? I wanted to keep it COVID-free, but I have to mention it because this will be a time to remember in our history. Absolutely. What I used to believe, I used to believe that, I used to say it. I mean, even up until a month ago, I used to say, oh, people are frightened of their power. I used to believe that. And now I don't believe that's true. Do you know what people are frightened of? Everything you just said, Mark, to not fit in. Yes. To stand out, Absolutely. to be ostracized from the group, to be mm-hmm. different, to be laughed at, to be feel to feel ashamed of who you are, to feel shame. So then all their life they spend fitting in, creating a life which makes them absolutely miserable because they have friends, family, husbands, wives around them that they're not actually enjoying. Only to not and then they they're watching TVs on mass media and watching all these individual unique characters and praising them. And yet to the expense of them actually being their unique selves. And that kind of fear creates a really miserable life. You know, that is, that's, that's another pandemic in a way to not be who we are. And I'm all about teaching my co-creating with my clients uh, who are, you know, great global clients, great, strong, powerful people un- underneath. I'm all about showing them how to access their truth. And saying to them, you know, when once they start co-creating with me, it's a question of they can't really go back. Once they've seen what they see in themselves, it's very hard for them to pretend it's not there yeah. and they move forward. Yeah, so from, from that from that point of hiding, I hid. I I also I ran away from four, at 14 from home. I didn't plan that, but I ran away. I just didn't want when I was eight and arrived to my mother's house, I didn't want to be told what to do. <laughs> So it was clear, you know, I was a character. I would ask questions. And when I arrived there, I remember the first thought was, I've got to get out of here. This is not my family. Of course, now, you know, I, I know they're my master teachers and, I'm, and I chose them. They're perfect. 
But this was a feeling of this angry eight-year-old that they had ruined my life. My mother had ruined my life. She'd taken me away from the life I had known, my loving grandma, who spoiled me to bits. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm getting out of here. And I'm going to earn money and I'm going to escape. Now, then I'd look down at my physical body and be like, oh, you're really kind of small. It's not going to be that easy. <laughs> so I, play, I played a game. I played the game of being the, just a kid. And I observed. I was always observing. You know, in that home, we were beaten by the, the buckle belts. Of course, my mom had a hard time, bless her. That's how she was raised. But I started to observe how things were done in this reality, in that life but I had this plan, I'm getting out of here. So at nine years young, I got my first job doing a paper round. And by 14, I basically stayed out one night and I didn't go home. And it was too frightening to go home. So I just decided I'd stay away and I did. Um, By 16, I already took my first travel. I went to Paris and then I went to Ibiza and I began traveling. And I also was very curious when I was about eight about the world I used to hear all these stories that oh this person's that Italians are this and black people are this and da 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 and I'd hear all these stories and I ne- it never resonated with me I didn't believe people were like they were telling us on the news I didn't believe I thought how can these people say these people are like this when actually they've never experienced them so even at school my friends were Russian Turkish Jewish <laughs> Arabic, Indian, I was very much drawn to not in, non-English people. Mm-hmm. And I guess I never felt English. I was, I never felt English. So off I went, ran away, had some very, again, to your listeners, experiences, you know, that most people don't survive. But I realized, you know, the experiences were not going to be, they were not going to define my future. Mm. There was something in me that was stronger and I remember the, the worst moment, I was 15, I had experienced, you know, some serious tragedies, and I hated this concept of God, the church, you name it, and yet I walked into a church, and I got on my knees, and I begged for something good to happen. Mm-hmm. I just sat there, and I didn't know who I was asking, and I didn't care, but it was like this lowest point, I was my boyfriend was beating me up. I wasn't speaking up. All kinds of things were happening. I had no home, no money. I was pretty destitute. And I just asked, like, please, please. I also thought I may be pregnant. I was 15. Mm-hmm. And I was begging, I think, not to be pregnant. That was the point, not to be pregnant. And, yeah, I, that prayer was delivered, thank goodness. <laughs> uh, I, remember, I remember from a very young age as well, I didn't want to have children. I had this sense that I had a job to do here. And I would not be able to give my full attention to children, which is why I never became a mother. I became a different kind of mother. Mm-hmm. So um, 15, we roll on. I, you know, I'm working. I, 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 I've left home. I'm 14. So I tell the lie. I lie about my name. I lie about my age so that I can get a job. Mm. And all these jobs, I only sort of last a couple of weeks because I can't be told what to do. <laughs> <laughs> also when they're telling me what to do I know how to do it better and I'm trying to explain to them how to reorganize their company so it's not really working out very well (laughs) and and then we jump you know uh, from I went through relationships with tragedy after tragedy a lot of sex looking for a little love 
from the age of 14 to 33, I had been in consistent, six consistent relationships. We're talking five years, three years, two years. I went from one relationship to another, mm-hmm. trying to understand love right. and uh, trying to explore, yeah, what, what this was, what, what this love business was about. And all the time... Um, living a lie in terms of not f- not fully living your truth because you were trying to conform, even though you're in a rebellious mindset, I suppose. So yeah, it's therefore, therefore attracting relationships that were not in truth either. Would that be absolutely. fair enough? Absolutely. What? Yes, that's that's exactly what I'm saying. It's like there I was thinking also you know I had moments I was a victim oh this boyfriend's beating me up oh this boyfriend's cheating on me I didn't dwell in it for too long because I was very young but I certainly felt like a victim and I also got the idea that love was a bad thing it didn't exist and no one could be trusted and this is what the the listeners should also listen to this because remember when we are raised in an environment where where I was raised by a grandmother that said all men were bad and evil and useless and then I was raised by a mother for six years who said, don't trust men. They're all liars and cheats. That could be my only dynamic and energy in terms of when I would go to the world and experience partners, mm-hmm. I could only draw those in because this core belief was men lie and cheat and can't be trusted. Mm-hmm. I could not resonate with a, a loving person. And I hated myself anyway. What was I going to attract? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, from relationships to maybe you've had the similar experiences of just you know this this so many women on this planet it's more women than men these days looking for soulmates and I'm like you must become I teach them they must become who they have this concept of attracting before they can attract it and you know we are so fooled by an external reality that we don't understand that we are creating everything. Mm. So from there, I jump forward. I'm hiding, lying. Um, I'm using my mind more. I like to outsmart, out-talk, out, 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 out everyone. I'm kind of secretly angry with humans, and I don't know why. But outwardly, I'm laughing and joking, and I'm pretty kind, mostly to women. I find that in my relationships, this is where I... I'm hurtful, I'm attacking. This is where I play out all my strangeness. But with women, I end up attracting women who are unkind, who are very unkind, who are very low vibrational, and I end up trying to support them. Oh, come on, lift them up to my own detriment. And now if we look back in the history, I'm raised by a mother. Mm. I'm raised by a mother and a sister who are my first examples of, how women treat each other right Mm. and they weren't they weren't exactly healthy examples but i didn't understand it so that was the only uh, vibration you knew that was your truth that was your that was your truth that's all you knew yeah so what what was the point where you got to in your life where you let's say awoken to that truth was it a one event was it was it a series of things that led you to go hang on a minute this is I am not living my my soul truth. Yes, I've been living mm. the truths that I was taught by my mother and grandmother and and the beliefs that they instilled in me, but 
What about yeah. what was the tran- what was the point in your life where you you awoke to your soul truth? That would be I was 33. I was I had purchased a home uh, 4 years before at 29 in London. I had moved in with a new boyfriend. I was co-living. We were pretty successful in what we were doing. He ran a company, an IT company, and I was studying. And I also had, I worked, also worked in a casino. (laughs) That's another story. But at that point, and I worked for a doctor's surgery. So I was assisting a a doctor in his surgery. But I'm, I'm living this life. I'm 29 to 33. And again, I'm watching I'm going through the motions. Yes. I have the car, the house, the nice things. We go to France. We go on holidays. I purchase lovely art, blah, 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 blah. I'm studying. I want to go on to have a PhD in existential psychotherapy. I can outsmart, outtalk, outwit anybody. I'm, um, I've, I've got this sort of fake persona that people are buying, but I've stopped buying it. Right. I, you know, I'm, I've always been jolly. I've always been smiley. That's that, you know, people know me for years. I'd be like, oh, you're the same. I've always been jokey. That would be my way to sort of get, um, I, I guess, get through life, to smile. My, I, I've got an Irish mother. It's all about joking and having fun. You know, they, they can turn tragedy into humor. And I learned to do that. But at 33, I'm sort of, I was in the kitchen and I remember me and my boyfriend, who was my fiance then, arguing about who was going to put the dishes, take the dishes out of the dishwasher and put them in. And something in me went, oh, dear, is this life? I was silently going through the motions of what humans or the Londoners called life, and it didn't feel right. I felt even more disconnected than ever. I was quite clear there that I was living in my brain. So we, we were on a holiday one day in Sardinia. We were on this yacht. Mm-hmm. And he pissed me off and I went to sit at the front of the yacht and I was sitting there listening to my brain go, blah, 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 blah. I was forever talking myself out of leaving this guy because I wasn't happy. But then there'd be this other thought that said, no, stay, Billy. You're always running away. You should stay. This man loves you. Yeah, but it doesn't feel right. No, but da, 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 da. So there was this internal conflict. And I sat there and I was moaning and then suddenly I heard the words, it's time to go. It's time to go. And I say I heard the words. It was like they had been installed in my mainframe brain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Travelling down um, <laughs> through, through my speech of capacity. And that's all I could say internally. So I went from listening to this internal blah, 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 to it's time to go, it's time to go, it's time to go. This continued for 24 hours. My boy fiancé at the time was freaked out. He asked if he should get a doctor or psychiatrist because I couldn't say anything else. Every time he was looking at me, shaking me, holding my head, he was out of it. You know, he was he was really worried. Anyway, it was time to go. And when we got back to England, when I could finally explain, I said to him, I can't explain, explain why, but it is time to go. I'm leaving this. I'm leaving you. I'm leaving this home. I'm leaving my studies. I'm leaving everything. So you can imagine when when it took some days for him to sort of he still wouldn't he wouldn't believe it. And when I started to tell my friends, I only had a few friends, they would they just thought I was having a moment. And I remember one particular friend, she said, You're not 18, you know. <sighs> and I said, Do you know what? 
I was like, even if I was 65, this is a moment in my life that I have to go and find my truth. Mm. And I can't explain it to you. And I don't know why, but it's time. I am living a lie. And I am going to find out what life really means for me. Now, internally, you need to remember, I was having prophetic dreams. I was being shown what I had to do. Again, I started to open up to them a little bit, but it felt like I had no choice anymore. Mm -hmm. Everything was, would be stripped away from me anyway, whether I would make that choice or didn't. And I imagine I would have got very ill or something. Mm -hmm. So I left that life, and off I went on a journey. And the journey for me, I, I was even telling my fiance at the time, was to face every fear inside of me. That was my mission. Mm. And that was just, they were just words. I mean, I, I couldn't even get a sense of reality to it because my heart was pounding, nearly falling out of my mouth in fear. Yeah, even though you were, you were being pulled by these voices, there was that, it was your ego, I guess, was in fear of the unknown, of what, what was coming. Absolutely. I, there was, my logical brain was, screaming on a daily basis it took me six weeks from the moment we returned from Sardinia to complete everything that went on with the home to hand over my home to him the car and everything and just to go to buy a rucksack and leave now during those six weeks my brain was screaming every single day I was crying screaming like a little kid mm -hmm. but there was a force inside of me that was moving and taking every action to move so and there was a part of me that wanted to go with this force. But my brain and my ego, of course, was absolutely terrified. Um, and off I went on a very long journey of which I faced, went to face my, my fears. And I did voluntarily. I had no coaches, guides, people, books. I just started to listen to these instructions that were coming through me. And I was being instructed to keep going and every time I went against these instructions these clear instructions which were always coming from love and just beautiful it's like having somebody guide me and gently push me every time I'd sort of knock them away energetically you can say with my own ego I would live to to regret it I would then go have to experience you know some awful things again mm. pain and, and it took me it took me years before I would finally accept the journey I was on and I had someone recently talk about this, you know, when you have made a commitment to a journey, which I believe we do before we come out of the womb, you try and go back and you see what's going to happen. <laughs> I didn't know then my, my mission was to serve and serve doesn't mean sitting on my knees and being without and being poor and not eating. It meant to serve from the highest point of consciousness that I could serve. Well, if that was my journey, I had to become the highest point of consciousness in the physical body as I could. And that meant being free from fear. Now I looked around the world and to this day I do, and I see everybody avoiding, looking, going towards their fear so that they can grow. That's the only way out. And it's so beautiful when you arrive, it's really beautiful. It would take me nine years and many journeys and rounds the biggest thing that happened during that time, well, I saw many things happen from alien crafts, experienced aliens, uh, communicating with people in the afterlife, feelings, sensing energy, using telepathy, all kinds of cool stuff was happening. And I started to open up and embrace and accept it. And the more I'd embrace and the more I trusted, 
who I actually was and what I was doing, the more I could experience of this world, of this life, of this veil, of this matrix. Now, the only thing was in Argentina, I had this great tribe and group of people that were all in the same melting pot, so to speak. I One friend was a gold master in Tai Chi. Another was a cello player that just used telepathy all the time. Others were painters. I was I had surrounded myself by tribes of people that just knew all this stuff. They knew about heart and love and consciousness. So when I left Argentina, that's the last thing I wanted to do because it felt really like being kicked out of the womb. <laughs> I had found, I thought I'd finally found myself and there I was and I could just stay there symbolically on the mountaintop. But I knew I took ayahuasca with a, a good friend of mine who's a shaman three times and I was shown very clearly that there was so much more to do. I hadn't even began serving. Mm. And I returned to England. I was 41 and I stood at a bus stop. Uh, oh, sorry, prior to that, quick story. I found myself, I used to, would take myself to mountains. I'd go like 3,000 meters high alone. I'd take myself all over Argentina where I was living. And I would ask, I would feel this great sense of faith. I would ask questions to the divine, I would call it. And I would be shown signs from condors flying over me to rivers appearing, really cool stuff actually, and then not being there the next day. But again, this was all privately going on inside of me. Mm-hmm. I became a yoga teacher too. And I remember talking to a sh- the, the Swami once and I said to him, oh, I have, I was sort of talking about, it was the first time I could sort of express, I was about 38 and I said, I want to talk to you about dream world. And he said, some things are just our experience. We don't need to talk about them. And that was something that stayed about with me because on all those journeys, I don't talk much about these things because on all these journeys, I realized I didn't have to tell everybody about everything. Mm-hmm. What was the point? I didn't want to tell a story and for them to feel less than mm-hmm. or that they hadn't had a story. So I was better than that was never been my purpose. Mm-hmm. That's never been my purpose. My purpose was I will have my experiences. You will have your experiences. And through these experiences, I have more of a toolbox in which to co-create, mm-hmm. you know. And also I came from poverty, emotional, physical and psychological poverty. And this taught me not to judge people based on what they had or didn't have, that we were actually unified in some way. But it also taught me that poverty consciousness was not going to be my reality I could experience it on this journey of life but it would not become my future reality so I stood at 41 at a bus stop Uh, I had oh I had all these experiences I'm sorry I, I I diverted so I'd go to these mountains and then what happened one day I'm sitting on on a rock somewhere and there was some tourists at this particular rock it's a place called Iruja if you look it up it, mm-hmm. I believe it's 2800 kilometers above sea level it is in the northern part of um tiny little town northern part of Argentina and I'm sitting there and this guy goes past and I say excuse me can I tell you something and I just start to blurt out blah 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 the context content of his life now while he's standing there kind of frozen when I take a breath, he calls his friend over. He was an Israeli. He goes, hey, Amish, 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 come over here. And then I just stopped speaking. Now, what was starting to happen, I was just, I couldn't stop. Again, 
this experience telling people everything about them mm. and their potential futures. And this was going on. And then I realized, Billy, this is a bit out of context. This will scare people. But this was also something I was doing as a kid with my nan. It was just, I would come out with all these things. Anyway, I still was hiding. I returned to England. I was still hiding. But I began to do something called the Akashic Registers. Mm-hmm. I called it the Akashic Registers because I found that I needed a context for the information I was delivering. And I made a vow at 41, standing at a bus stop with one bag, no money, no home. I said that I would never, ever earn money doing anything but that which came through me mm-hmm. and from who I actually was. Wow. And um, yeah, I'm 51. I never have. <laughs> wow. What an experience, what a journey. And, wow, I'm sure our listeners, some are not quite believing what they're hearing and others are inspired and others just want to know more, like we want to know more. But like you say, your internal experience, your experience was yours to have and it doesn't need to be anybody else's and it helped you Mm -hmm. to find your truth. And, you know, that strong pull that you had to move across the world to experience all those different cultures, the different experience. I, I think you speak a different language. You speak um, Spanish, don't you? And just to, yeah, to have do. all those experiences and, and remember, ultimately remember who you are at your core was just coming from that journey mm. of being uncomfortable in, in the lies, that in the, in the life that you're living when you are not living in your truth. And Absolutely. Yeah, and each and every one of us too has that to honor in us in themselves you know we all have a truth and we're all here to discover what that is and to live it and to experience it and to contribute it like you are doing with your akashic records now and with divine mind intelligence teaching you're now helping others to find their truth that's just so powerful so to all the listeners out there you know it doesn't matter what your experience is it's never Never a good idea to compare your experience with anyone else's. What you experience is what is unique for you. And wherever you are, listeners, wherever you are in your life, whether you're ecstatically happy or whether you are, you know, in a bit of a conundrum with confusion and and loneliness and fear, there is a way to release yourself and be free from that and to and that way is like Billy has said to to, you know go and discover your truth and be your truth so thank you so much Billy for sharing these stories with us and we've learned another yet another story that we didn't know about your life and gosh what else I'm, I'm just I'm just inspired you know inspired that that you've reconnected with your divinity and no wonder you call your teachings divine mind intelligence. It, it is, thank you for that, just for your listeners. It is, you know, the pathway going forward through all that fear, it, wasn't, it took me a long time to learn about forgiveness. Our whole body will hold vibrational energy and cause all kinds of things to go on, from prostate cancer to cell div- div- division, all kinds of things heartaches, problems, liver problems, kidney problems. When you forgive, you let go of a lot of these things. And I will say, if there's only one thing you do for the rest of your life, that is to forgive. Mm. You must forgive because it will not change the past, but it will definitely define and redefine your future. And obviously, you know, I, had, I was terrified 
facing myself. But there wasn't an option. And at the moment on this planet, we are all being given an opportunity to face ourselves, myself included to this day, mm -hmm. to face these aspects of us that we've kept in the dark. And let me just tell you, no matter what your mind says, you know, that bodyguard up there, oh, don't do it. This is going to be terrifying. You can't tell your husband this or your wife or you can't. Whatever you do, truth, truth will only bring freedom. Yes, you're going to have to walk on those hot coals to get there. Mm -hmm. But do you know what? It is worth those two minutes, one minute, that split second in talking from a place of love and honesty. It is worth it to live a lifetime of freedom. And anyone on this planet has this possibility, but not everyone will do it. So true. So true. And you did teach us that the the art of forgiveness when we were co-creating with you and that by far was the most powerful tool that you offered us. And I mm. feel so much freer, so much freer, physically freer even, you know, the, the weight on, on my body has released from having let go and forgiven, truly forgiven from my heart. People, experiences, uh, myself, forgiven myself for, yes. you know, the times when I've beaten myself up or not felt, not felt like I was enough. And now, yeah, you know, absolutely. being free from that, it, you, you just cannot help but feel the bubbles of joy come up inside of you every single day. And I, I know now, I can feel now why, you know, when I first met you, I felt those, you're just like a bubble, like Mark said earlier, just a ball of joy. For me, it's like you're bubbling with joy. And I, I can feel that coming up in me, you know, every day. And I thank you for that teaching that you gave us. So have shared with us a process of how to forgive and maybe if that's okay with you we might do up a little pdf and attach it to the notes the show notes as to a very simple way to yeah, forgive. yeah 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 absolutely share 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 everything you know our whole life experience mm. brings us to a culminating moment but well, what was it about you know if i had lived all of these things and you had and we'd not done anything with it mm -hmm. what would it be about on this time of the planet too, remember everybody listening, your resonation, the future of our planet for the 2020 and beyond, you will feel the resonation of truth. Now, what does that mean? You won't be listening so much to what people say and the story and this. You'll be able to feel through things. Uh, and a quick, uh, just a mini example, you know, when I look back, even with my husband, I he asked me a question about something or someone or an organization, and I just immediately snapped feel through it in a second and I'll tell him about my experience that doesn't mean that he shouldn't go on and have the experience but I tell him that's why I'm not going and what we're seeing revealed at this time all these things coming up under the shadows and there's a little bit of my ego that goes you see you see you told you so I told you so I told you so I told you so because many people have approached me organizations and it didn't resonate and I had to be clear your boundaries by the way listeners must be super clear Mm. And they do become clear when you operate from love. They're crystal clear. They're yep. crystal clear. And love is not about saying yes to everybody. Love does not operate like that. Love is very clear on boundaries because that's where your power is. Mm, that's where your power is. 
Well, Billy, we could talk for hours, and I know you've got you know many stories. You know, we've we've spoken a little bit, and well, we've certainly spoken a lot throughout our time with you in the past. And I know you have just a multitude of stories and lessons, and we could continue on, but we need to wrap up today, unfortunately. But yep. one final question, if I may: How would you yeah. define an awakened soul? An awakened soul lives through the vibration of the heart. They have a peaceful heart. There is no problem in the world. There's just an opportunity to grow. And also they feel more about what happens to us as a global planet and a people as opposed to what happens just to them and the family and next door and the neighbor and the cat. You know, every part of them has a clear feeling that we are all in this together. And whatever they do to another person has an effect <laughs> on them. <laughs> Just remember that, guys. It's, it's like you, whatever you do, what comes through your mouth, through your action, even a thought directed, an unkind thought directed, you must experience this before it signals out. So an awakened being is, is one that loves, simply loves, mm -hmm. without looking for anything in return. Beautiful. Thank you for that. And, wow, Billy, we're wrapping up now, but it has been a fascinating mm -hmm. conversation, following you on your journey from birth to being awakened to your gift, then, be, then getting shut down, hiding your truth due to fear of being judged, and then reawakening again through a process of, of courage, of growth, experiences and then to reaching a place now where you're contributing in such amazing ways to your clientele with not only your gift of seeing but now with that worldly wisdom from all of your experiences listeners how many times have you been told to not do something or that you're not good at something and you've shut down that dream and you shut down the gift become invisible and you're in fear of expressing your truth and Billy, I love that powerful statement you made at the bus stop where you would only ever make money if it came through you, through your truth. And I believe that if more people are in their truth every day and are connected to their divinity and connected to continual growth, that they too will awaken to being able to contribute unconditionally like you are without, you know, the loving without needing acknowledgement. And I so agree with you about your definition of an awakened soul that an awakened soul is love, is pure love, and we're all connected to that love. So thank you again. Thank you. And till we return with our next guest, may you be inspired, listeners, to be awakened to your truth by opening your world to deeper experiences, unconditional contribution, and consistent growth, and living with a strong ECG pulse. So that's goodbye from us. That's goodbye from Michelle and Mark and, and from Miss Billy. And thank you very much, Billy Lufong, for your time tonight and for jumping on and sharing your story and your lessons and, and uh, stories of truth. So thank you very, very much. Thank you and goodbye. This is the Awakening Empty Nester podcast. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoy what you heard today, share with a friend. And if you have not already done so, please subscribe, rate and review the show on your favourite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments or feedback for us, you can reach us directly at 
podcast at thedreamarchitects.com. Looking forward to you joining us on our next show. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.